Geordie. That was too kind. How are we going this morning? Oh, it's good to be here. No matter what week we've had, hey, we can come here and focus on our God and King. And it just brings us back, I think, even in the prayer meeting before church, I'm just feeling so undone at being in God's presence. He just has a way of just speaking right to our hearts, doesn't he? Now, normally I like to start with a bit of a funny story or something like that, but this message today, I feel like um, it's weighty. There's a lot in here. If you've got notes, get your notepad ready um, because we're going to go through a bunch of stuff this morning. But do you know what? Before we start, can I invite you to stand and I want to pray that we could invite God in, that we can be receptive to what he wants to say. If you're comfortable, put your hands out in front of you just as a way of surrendering and humbling ourselves before God. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for bringing each of us here today. Lord, I thank you that you know all of our hearts. Father, you know our circumstances. You made us, Lord. We pray this morning that you would speak to us. Father, let our ears be open to hear what it is that you have to say. We pray that you would leave a mark on our hearts this morning, Father. And as you challenge us and speak to us, Lord God, let us receive that with two hands open, Father. May it take root in our hearts. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us and change us today. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So there's something that um, Pastor Charles said a little while ago, and it's come up a couple of times, and I feel like it's just had this weight. Um, It's had weight for me, and I feel like it's got weight in our church community at this present time. And he said that, The church isn't the destination, but it's the petrol stop along the way. Who remembers him saying that? It's been a few times now. It's come up at conference as well, I think. This place we come to, um, we're encouraged, we're nurtured, um, we're challenged, but it's not where we're meant to stay or camp out. It's our base camp. And in this place that we call the church, um, whether it's this church or another church, this is a place where God reigns as king, right? We make our decisions based on the fact that he is king. He is the one who rules in this place. But sometimes we choose uh, confuse church with the kingdom of God. And that's what we're going to talk about today. The church is different to the kingdom of God. So what is the kingdom? The kingdom is the permeation of our whole world for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. So we have this space, which is the church, and then there's the whole earth. And that is where God wants to and will one day reign as king over the whole earth. Now, the people of God in the Bible would often look forward to a day, they call it the day of the Lord, which was a time um, where there would be a transition from this age, the age on the earth now, to the age that was to come, all right? So it was in the future. Um, And in the age to come, divine justice would come, God would pronounce his judgment, and the sin that runs wild on the earth today, which we can all see happening, um, the evil that we see now on the earth that that would be replaced with his justice and his love. So we have this age and we have the age to come. But when Jesus came, and this is what Pastor John was speaking about this morning, he repetitively, repetitively said, the kingdom of heaven is now. He announced that the kingdom of God was actually not some far off concept 
to come, but it was starting right here, right now. When he came to earth, he inaugurated or initiated the kingdom of God through his life, his death and resurrection. And when he returns one day, the kingdom of God will be fulfilled and it will be fully established. So we're in this interesting place now, aren't we? And we see time and time again in Scripture, the kingdom of God is described as a realm that we are both presently entered into right now and as one entered to in the future. So imagine you've got the age now and then we've got the age to come and what Jesus did is he sort of overlapped the two. We read Scriptures like this in Ephesians 2 verse 6. God raised us up and he seated us with him in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Amen? Such an amazing promise. And you know what? This is our spiritual reality, isn't it? Through what Jesus did, we are seated with him in the heavenly places. But we look around and very quickly we can see, as nice as this building is or your home is or nature is, we are not in fact seated in the heavenly realms next to Christ Jesus in our physical reality. We are not ruling and reigning on the earth with Jesus right now. Our spiritual reality doesn't yet match up with our future physical reality. Right now we live in the in-between. We have the presence of the kingdom, but not the fullness of it. We are both already in the kingdom of heaven but we do not yet see it in its full glory. Sometimes this is called the now and not yet. Has anyone heard that phrase before? So how do we as Christians engage in this space? Is the kingdom of God something we're just looking forward to that we gaze off into the unknown? Or is it something that we are supposed to engage in and live in now? How do we live strong in the now and not yet? Just some small questions for your Sunday morning. Um, But I think they're important questions. I know many of us have them. So today we're going to talk about the reality of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. I'll probably use it interchangeably with the kingdom of God. But same thing, um, we're going to get like a 30,000 feet view of the kingdom of God. And then we're going to come back down to how it looks for each of us today. Good? Awesome. All right, so if you want to open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, um, we're going to look at a parable that Jesus told his followers. Now, I think the number one thing that he talked about, we often think it's money, but it's actually the kingdom of God. He spoke about this in many different ways um, to his followers and those listening to him. Um, And the parable we're going to look at was in Mark and Luke as well. Um, And Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven. So uh, Matthew 13, verse 31. He put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nest in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. So we're going to look at a couple of points out of this passage today. And the first one is this, that the kingdom of heaven has small beginnings. 
So it begins with something very, very small, something that is barely visible, and it grows and becomes something exponentially larger. It's like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of seeds, but it grows to a large tree. Insignificant beginnings. Now, I don't know if there's any botanists. I think that's what Dave Coppolino does. He's not here today, but he might correct me. But the mustard seed isn't actually the smallest seed. I don't know if anyone knows that. And it does not, in fact, grow to... It it can be a tree, but not a gigantic tree like a sequoia or something like that. Um, So is Jesus wrong? No, he's not wrong. He's using the parable to give us um, an illustration, a picture. We get a picture about something that has a very, very humble beginning. And we wouldn't expect that it would grow so large, but it does. Um, A while ago, about nine, ten years ago, I... Uh, met a friend and we we quickly bonded and we thought, let's start making baby headbands together. So we just, you know, sat around our kitchen table and we bought some material and we started making baby headbands. And it was sort of fun and just a bit of a hobby because we were young, new mums. And um, it was just something small. And then we had some friends who thought, oh, can I buy these headbands and we thought oh okay sure this is what we want to do okay so we put them on Facebook and people started buying them Um, and then it sort of kept growing and we thought oh we need to make something else so we made leggings then it sort of got too much for us so we made uh, we got a uh, seamstress to help us out Um, and then it it still kept growing so we thought okay we'll get off Facebook we'll put it on a, a, a website and um I don't know, people kept growing. Then we got on Instagram and that's, um, you know, back in the day when there wasn't really Instagram before that, but it had just taken off. And wow, that was amazing. There was just this instant growth and we just went from, I don't know, 100 followers that were our friends to over a period of five years, probably like 50,000 followers. And it was crazy and it grew. We had to go offshore to do manufacturing. We set up a company and it grew and grew. And it was an amazing story. I'm not there anymore, but um, just an amazing story of the growth of something that was really tiny, um, seemed pretty insignificant to us, and it grew to something far beyond what we had ever imagined. And that's sort of the picture we get um, from this tiny mustard seed Jesus is talking about. And when we look at the story of Jesus... You know, it began with with one man. Um, He said, the the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. It is now. And then he had 12 followers. He had his disciples. And then it grew. And when the Christian church began, it was 120 people in one room together. And as that resurrection power just exploded, um, and we read in the book of Acts, it led to the growth of the early church. It went to Judea, Samaria, and now to the ends of the earth. It's growing in size as his good news transforms the earth. And sometimes when we we look at our own circumstances or our own circle and our own world, we forget this. We forget that God is making something far greater than we can see. It's far larger than he that we can see. And he is working to grow his kingdom. 
you know, I had to go to the doctors a couple months ago and I had to um, sit there for about an hour chatting with this nurse. And, you know, um, after a little while it came out that she had a faith in Jesus as well. And um, it was so special to share that moment. And it just sort of opened my eyes for a second that, you know, God's working everywhere. There's so many different spaces and sometimes we can't see it because, well, maybe we're not looking, but um, he's always at work and he's always moving. So point one, it started as something small, but it is growing into something exponentially larger. Number two, the kingdom of heaven has slow but pervasive growth. It says in uh, verse 33, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Are there any bread bakers in the house this morning? Hands up. Just Jordan, okay. There's a couple. Um, well, I love eating bread. I love bread. I often say I think it might be my last meal, some bread and butter or some oil or something. Um, I love eating it. Um, and Steve loves making bread, so win-win for me. It's so good. Um, and I watch him making bread and he's really meticulous. He has this attention to detail I haven't seen in, you know, other areas like the house cleaning. No, he's really good. He's really good. <laughs> Just trying to get the laughs. He's very, he's very good very good um but what he does he writes down all the measurements because he wants to get it right for the next time and he's learning as he goes and what I've learned from watching from afar because remember I'm not doing the baking but it's all about the yeast right um to get the right rise on the bread you need to get the exact right amount of yeast in there because what happens is the tiniest bit of yeast um, it multiplies, it expands, and even though it's a tiny bit of yeast to this large amount of um, dough, it spreads throughout the entire um, loaf or whatever it's called. And I love this quote um, by Leon Morris. He says that just like the kingdom, leaven works quietly, it's unseen, and the kingdom works through Christ's influence on people's hearts not in anything merely external and visible. So this point is about the transforming power of the kingdom of heaven. This small thing, and he's talking about the leaven here, but it makes itself known and felt through a much larger area. Likewise, the kingdom of heaven works itself powerfully throughout the earth. And again, we can get into the habit of looking at the world and feeling very, very overwhelmed. And, and that's, that's real. There's a lot to get overwhelmed by. But I believe for us as Christians that things are always getting better. And it's not because the world is always an amazing place or it's safe or it's harmless, but it's because Jesus reigns. He is transforming the world as he establishes his kingdom. And we might not always see it. Often it's silent um, and it can be hard for us to believe it in faith, but we can trust that Jesus is reigning and he is transforming the world. So what does it look like, these, this pervasive growth? I want to give you some examples this morning so you can be encouraged. Um, I got Steve this book for Christmas um, called Dominion. I think its subtitle is um, how one, one, oh now I've forgotten, but how the, how the Christian revolution changed the Western world, right? Um, and this guy who wrote it, he is not a believer, he's a historian, um, but he has um, described how the concepts of Christianity, the teachings of Jesus has transformed our entire society. So our basic morals, things like hospitals, education, um, human rights, valuing life, 
equality for women. Um, all of these things have their roots in the teachings of Christianity. Our society would actually be unrecognisable without the person of Jesus. He's literally transformed it and it is hard to see right because there's a lot going on that we don't agree with or it rubs us up the wrong way but there's been such a transformative effect of his um, life in the world one current example that was just so encouraging to me when I heard it is that you know we have the, the word of God right we we have easy access to it um, and it's crazy to think it was um up to the hands of, I don't know, a lot of uneducated people and um, that put this, this word of God together. And now we're holding it in our hands, right? Um, and it has reached most of the earth. Um, but there is still about 4,000 people groups that haven't got access to the Bible. Um, it's about a billion people. And they were estimating that it's probably going to be the year 2150 until the Bible is translated into a language these people could best understand. So that's a long time away. Um, but what's currently happening is really exciting. There are about 11 of the leading Bible translation agencies in the world who are working together. So instead of sort of doing their own thing, they've come together in a unified effort um, to translate um, the scriptures into these languages. And instead of 2150, the date has been brought forward to the year 2033. That's like 10 years away. Isn't that incredible? Like in our lifetime, everyone is going to have access to the word of God, the life-changing message of the gospel. I think it's just mind-blowing. This is the leaven at work. Can you see it? Something that started off so small, but it's, it's powerful. It touches lives, it touches cultures, it touches nations. You know, we, we look back to the Gospels and a lot of the time you get this sense from the crowds that they're thinking, is, is this man really going to save us? Does he have the power to change anything? Is this likely to come to anything? And they, they expect it, and I think sometimes we expect it too, that the kingdom of God is just going to come down by force. It's going to make itself known um, with a shout and trumpets and all these things, and it's just going to magically just transform everything. Or it's going to come with force. It's going to be, they thought it would come, you know, by taking over nations and armies and things like that. But this little verse here in Matthew reminds us that the kingdom of heaven works like leaven silently and without force or violence. Jesus was assuring his people here that though its beginning was small, it would greatly increase. So many would come. Be encouraged of that today. He is working. Number three, the kingdom of heaven is for others. I'm going to spend a bit of time here. It is of benefit for everybody so that all people might come and have shelter and rest. So verse 32 says, It is the smallest of seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. We get this picture from Genesis, starting with Abraham, that he would be blessed to be a blessing to the nations. The picture continues, we read in Psalms and Hosea about um, the people of God being a strong, tall, planted tree of which those who dwell near or under its shadow would find rest and shelter. You know, the kingdom of heaven is ultimately for the entire world. It's the expansion, as I said earlier, of God as king over the whole earth. 
And I think this is often where we miss the point going to that comment about, you know, church not being our destination. We are here for other people. God, yes, God saved us. We're going to celebrate that with lots of singing next week. It's going to be amazing. But I think we forget sometimes he saved us for something as well. It's not to come here to be comfortable and cosy and get some motivation and then go out into your week. No, we're here to be the light of the world. We're not supposed to um, stay put and maintain and have a nap. But in God's word, we are to press on, to run, to restore, to reconcile, to renew all things through God. You know, things like... um, like prayer and reading our Bible, they are of utmost importance. I am such a big advocate for getting stuck into your words, studying the word, knowing who this God is that we serve. But I heard this um, Bible teacher I was listening to say, you know, these things, they're assumed activities for us, us as Christians. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's a given. What are we doing with everything that we've learned? Our mission statement here at Uni Hill Church is to restore, to raise up and to release. That means to go out. It's all about action. Your workplace in the city, the playgroup that you go to, the retail store that you work at, your friends at uni, your neighbours, your community, your craft group, maybe the people in your basketball team. These are the places and the spaces where the kingdom of God wants to be made known. Let's not limit the kingdom of God to this room. That would be such a tragedy. We can look around at all the suffering and brokenness and it just feels like it's one thing after another sometimes, right? Like whether it's these local disasters that we're seeing, the wars, violence on TV, and we've all got our own personal things that we're facing as well. We can be overwhelmed and this is the not yet, right? That's the hard part that we're waiting in this not yet. It's not the way it's supposed to be. This is not the way that God intended the world to be. It's not the way he created humans to interact with each other. But we need to bring these things, all of them, to God in prayer. We need to give them to him. And we need to put one foot in front of the other. We need to be active participants in what he is already doing in the here and now. You know, it's tempting to come together with people that we know that share the same values, we know are good people um, and huddle together and have our bubble and be like, look at those people over there. I can't believe they let their kids do this or oh, I wouldn't live over there, that's a bit rough and all these things. But I believe when we put that bubble around ourselves, we're putting a bubble around the kingdom of God and where he wants to grow. It's one thing to keep ourselves polluted from the world, but it's another thing to keep yourself shut off, shut off from the world. Don't confuse them. You know, I believe there are gifts that God has given each of us. And I know growing up in youth, you hear this sort of thing all the time. And, and sometimes we can brush off like that whole concept that, you know, we're all snowflakes and unique. But you know what? We are. God has created each of us with unique gifts, with unique purposes, with unique dreams inside of us. And he's put us in environments that he has purposed and planned for us. I can think of some incredible examples of people in our church community who did this amazingly. I know some incredible Christians who are on their local school council having a voice and speaking life and truth. Um, I think of Erin, 
who is using her amazing gifts of art that God has given her and her background in medicine to create a space for people to come and do art therapy. I think of people like Lisa, I think of Dan and Jack who have these incredible businesses and they have a vision to create a place of integrity, a place um, of joy and acceptance. I think of Jimmy and Beck who use their gifts every day to teach um, kids, but not only are they doing that, but they feel called to train people in other nations to teach their kids. And I think of I'm not going to look at her, but people like Megan, who, you know, such an amazing mother. And she goes and she delivers care to people suffering cancer and she gives of herself. I just think it's incredible. And Pastor Irene, as she shared a few weeks ago, she was obedient to God's call. When he, he called her into something, she wasn't sure if she could do, but she followed in obedience. She used her talents to do what God is calling her, and that was to offer a safe space for women, for pregnant women who need support and resources and counselling. There is a reason and a purpose of why God has placed us in the places that he has. It is not by chance. You know, and I want to give you this thought this morning. What happens if we don't, if we don't participate? And I want to be vulnerable and share a personal story with you this morning. Um, you know, for our family, we've really felt a strong calling to be um, a presence in our community, in our street, and specifically with our neighbours. Um, and if you've come to our house anytime, you'll have seen our neighbours either popping over the fence or rattling the door or... Um, we want to be a part of their lives. And you might have heard me talk about um, our family next door that we have, our neighbours. They're a beautiful Muslim family. And, you know, I spent some time with them before, but I felt God was prompting me to spend more time um, with my friend next door. Um, but you know what? I was always just a little bit too busy. Um, and I didn't realise that it was actually fear that was getting in the way. And we had Tina Waldrum come and speak at conference and she talked about having these uh, moments that are led by the Holy Spirit, that he is actually preparing these spaces. He has prepared people's hearts and he's prepared us for those conversations as well. So after that, I felt encouraged and I prayed about it and I thought, let's go. So I went over and, you know, they're really hospitable. They're an Iranian family. And she set out, you know, the coffee and tea with these beautiful ornate like teapots and everything um, from their Persian culture. It was amazing. And we, we chatted and there was just this ease, you know, those beautiful conversations we have, you have with your closest friends and you just talk and it's not awkward. You just, you know, talk your heart out. It's just beautiful. And... God knows what he's doing. You know, she loves her family and her family's a priority. I love my family. They're the most important thing to me too. She loves prayer to her God that she prays to. Guess what? I love prayer too. And as we spoke, this was coming out. She's talking about prayer and we're just having this conversation. And you know what else? She loves studying her sacred text, which is the Quran. And you know what? I love studying the Bible. So we're par for par here, we're on the same page and we're chatting. And, you know, um, after a little while in the conversation, she, she turned to me and she said, oh, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah, that's fine. And she said, can you tell me what, what is Easter? I see in the shops all these things and what is Easter? And so I got to tell her the gospel um, because that's what Easter is, the message of Christ. Um, I was worried beforehand that I wasn't going to have all the answers, that I needed to read all, all, all my books and get all informed and everything right. But 
I, you know, answered her questions and it was beautiful and she had lots of questions and I think, you know, when we catch up again, she's going to have more questions. But I walked away completely just gobsmacked by the goodness of God. Um, I just being able to witness God revealing himself to her, but also the joy um, that he gave me in participating in what he was doing. Now, of course, God can use anyone. He could rise up someone else to go and speak to her and give the gospel. But I had just such a strong conviction that day that if I was disobedient to where God was calling me, maybe that meant my neighbour wouldn't have got to hear the gospel. And I wouldn't have got to participate in that because I was too busy or too afraid. Think of what will happen when we don't choose to engage in what God is doing. The living body of Jesus is in this room. We are the body of Christ and it is our role and purpose as his children to proclaim his goodness into a world that desperately, desperately needs it. Might get Jared to come up. You know, the kingdom of, he- of heaven is being established on earth. It's being established through his church and the Holy Spirit in us. And when we interact with the people around us in obedience to God, I believe this is how his kingdom, the kingdom that Jesus announced, continues to grow and be built in the world. It is growing, it is transforming, and it is reaching all the nations. I love this quote by Matthew Henry. He says, When we work in places that don't embrace their kingdom purposes, we are the signposts. We are pointing to the coming reality of redemption, praying, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I was um, teaching my youngest daughter, Violet, the Lord's Prayer a few years ago. And so sweet with their little voices when they offer up their prayers. And um, she had a bit of trouble, though, because we would say it together. And then sometimes I would sort of see if she was ready to remember on her own. And and she would start praying, um, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. My kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it was very sweet. Um, But you know what? I think it's such an indicator. We might not say those words, my kingdom come, my will be done. But is that what our hearts are saying? You know, sometimes I'm praying this prayer, whether it's at home or in the car, and I can't get past this point. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Because I know I, I've got to pray it a lot of times till that sinks into my heart. It's a battle, isn't it? You know, from the smallest to the biggest decisions we make, where we're going to live or what we're going to have for lunch, who are we going to engage with, who are we going to speak to at school pickup or whatever it is, I'll be looking at it with a lens of my kingdom come. Or is it your kingdom come from the biggest to the smallest thing? Because if we're going to pray that prayer, your kingdom come, it goes hand in hand that we're praying that the desire for our kingdom would be stripped away. God, where do you want me to go? Where is it that you have purposed me for? God, show us where you are already working and let us join in with that. 
I think this quote from R.C. Sproul sums it up so well. God can use the smallest words that we speak, the smallest service that we give and bring a kingdom out of it. This points not to the greatness of the mustard seed, but the greatness of God, who works every day to bring about His plan for the ages. God is at work even now, building His kingdom, not with entertainment, not with flesh, not with all the pizzazz that we try to conjure up, but by obedience to His Word. And I think that's a real challenge this morning, you know, as we're in worship before and we, we pray for revival and these are amazing prayers, but are we willing to be humble? Are we willing to, to walk it out? Because I think often the way that God wants to bring revival and change is through His people. So I want to invite us this morning to respond to this message in the quietness and in the place of where you're sitting. You know, this might have, it will hit us all in different ways. Maybe this is an encouragement to you, this message, that God is working. Maybe you feel like you know, like the places that God has called you to, you know the gifts that He has put um, on your heart and you're confident in walking that out. Praise Him for that and ask Him to continue to work through you. Maybe you're challenged about what that is for you. Um, what, where does God want you to go? Maybe you can spend some time asking God. Or maybe today, and I really want to make sure that I bring this up, is maybe you can't even get to that point because you are feeling so incredibly overwhelmed. Maybe it is the state of the world and you're struggling to see that Jesus is making change and making His kingdom known. Maybe the circumstances in your life are just so overwhelming and your prayer today is just your kingdom come your will be done you want to see his kingdom come quickly Lord Jesus maybe that's your prayer so we're just going to spend a couple of minutes I invite you to bow your heads if you want to sit you can if you want to kneel you can whatever you want to do we're just going to spend a few minutes doing that now
Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that you are establishing your kingdom here on earth. And Father, we look forward to, um, with anticipation to you bringing your kingdom in its fullness, Father. We trust you. We place our faith in you. Lord, would you use us in what you're doing in this earth? And Lord God, I pray for, for anyone who is feeling completely overwhelmed and defeated, Father. Would you restore um, their spirits this morning? Help us to look up to you, to fix our, our gaze on you, Lord God, that you are working all things for good, Father. You will restore all things, Father. We believe it this morning. Help us to have faith. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You know, one day He is coming back. It's going to be amazing. And the tiny little seed is going to be that established, fully grown tree. We are in the now and not yet, but it's coming. And you know, there's a lot of info today, whether you've been here before or not. Um, but God is inviting us. You know, He's calling all of us to come to Him, to be restored. He wants to restore us, to raise us up and to release us. And maybe this is a new idea for you this morning. Maybe this is your first time coming into church. Maybe you've never thought about before that God wants to know you and God wants to um, use you. If you want to know more about this this morning, please come down the front. I'd be so honoured to speak with you. And if you're online listening to this, please get in touch with us via our, our website. You know, before we sing one last song, I just wanted to read you this um, passage from Revelation. Chapter 22, it says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city also, on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it. And His servants will worship Him. They will see His face and His name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you stand as we sing, worship His majesty.